0: this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode one of season two of This Osteopathic Life. I'm excited to join you in these final few moments of February 1st, 2020. One year from our initial recording and launching into the second season of the podcast. As I reviewed last week, the initiation of the podcast, some of the history, some of the accomplishments of the past year, goals that were met, some goals that remain outstanding and how I plan to move forward, gaining more traction toward them and begin today with the intention of expanding the osteopathic concept for the best health of all things and reflecting on what it is that was helpful, what was successful, and where those challenges arose and how to best move forward. And this week has been its own sort of lesson. During last week's episode, as I recounted some of the events and accomplishments I'd had in the past year, one piece that I mentioned was recovering from an injury. And It was a pretty significant injury that will be two years ago in June with a torn abdominal muscle, kind of a fluke activity, pulling a suitcase out of a car, but an injury that left me very debilitated. I wasn't allowed to walk more than a block for about two months and had to wear a binder to see patients, and it was a pretty devastating blow to someone who has exercised regularly and depended on regular exercise for my mental health and well-being and stress management, and a big piece of my identification of self. And in last week's podcast, I was express, expressing gratitude for having moved through that injury in a fashion more efficient than what was prognosticated for me and feeling like I was back to general full force. Over the course of this past year, I resumed ownership of a CrossFit gym and was very careful and meticulous in the rehabilitation and the return to workouts. And probably just, I would say, in the past month, I'd moved into really performing the workouts with higher intensity and higher load on the barbell and more fine technique in some of the movements, and was doing quite well and feeling quite well with little evidence or irritation to the injury I had sustained previously. And then I was away last weekend, as I shared with you, I was in Phoenix for the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship and had access to a gym there and was following the programming that my athletes are following back at my own gym in Oregon. And Saturday's workout came up and it was a team workout, which generally means there's rest built in. So if it's a team of three, there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done and one person is working at a time. So essentially you're getting Twice the amount of rest is the amount of time you're spent working. And that's generally a good plan, and it's designed that way for a reason. And in my time away and in my decompression, after a long day of sitting in meetings and discussion and lectures, I thought I would engage in the entirety of the workout myself. Again, normally the concept would be to look at the workout Realize that one person would be doing about 33% of the work and to scale it accordingly. I didn't do that. And on paper, the reps looked manageable. It was sets of five of things, and sets of five for a few rounds, totally reasonable. Sets of five for escalating numbers of rounds can become problematic. And I didn't foresee that. And there was one moment... As I was setting everything up when I thought, you know, should I keep that two-to-one ratio and maybe just bike in between? But I thought, no, I'm feeling pretty good and I like these movements and the weights are manageable, so I'm just going to proceed and get however many rounds I can get done in the allotted time cap. And so I began, and all was going reasonably well, although I wasn't feeling as fluid in some of the movements, so I was spending a little bit more time than I normally would have hanging from the bar, uh, which puts your body into extension, which is an unfavorable position if you've suffered an abdominal tear to really stretch out those muscles. But again, during the workout, nothing hurt. Nothing bothered me. And I continued. I finished. I went about my evening. I went to the next day, and I became aware of that area in my abdominal musculature and just assessed it. I was seated for most of the day and then I traveled to the airport and I didn't have to lift the suitcase at all, um, which had been, you know, the original offending action. But when I got home and picked up my daughter, you know, six and a half years old and a taller than average six-year-old, I realized there had been some notable irritation to the area of injury. And if you've ever suffered an injury and recovered and then had some recurrence, perhaps you can imagine all the thoughts that came, you know, rushing back to my mind, you know, back to ground zero. All that hard work, one silly workout. Why did I do that? All these questions came up. And it was frustrating to think you know, I might be back to where I was and remembering all the challenges, both physically and mentally, that came with that forced respite. You know, I was panicked, I was sad, and in a little bit of disbelief and denial as well. So the next day I had to go coach at the gym. And I was able to do that and lead the other athletes, but when I would have normally gone and done the workout myself, you know, I couldn't. I rode the bike very gently and you know, lamented again my situation. The following day, the movements were a little more favorable and I was able to participate in a rational but very scaled way under the guidance of coaches in the class. And the same the following day and the next, but the final day of the week brought back movements that had been aggravating and I had to realize that just it wasn't it wasn't in the cards that day and so as I paused and looked at all of this and you had people who had watched me through the original injury and the recovery process very concerned about my health and well-being and what activities I was participating in and also looking at what we profess to our athletes you know how to scale and how to address overtraining and needed rest and all that and recognizing that I wasn't necessarily taking the advice that I was distributing to others and to be fair in my whole life of training I've never really followed specific rules or the same rules and I train a lot and I take fewer rest days and I sleep less than the average person and it all seems to be working well until it's not And the goal is to figure out before we get to this injurious state what's not working well and what needs to be adjusted. And so in the hindsight, that is 2020, I looked back on the situation and thought about a time when one of my coaches had recognized that he was feeling tired and taxed by the workouts and wanted to take a deload week and was looking to his colleagues, his other coaches, to help him work through that in an effective and efficient way so as not to lose fitness and form, but to allow himself greater recovery. And we each brought different advice to the table, taking off weights, reducing reps, you know, changing the workout entirely, taking entire days off. My recommendation was to continue to present to the gym at his usual time, but to either participate in a totally different workout or just go the work on Tyler or maybe do mobility during the time so that he stays within the pattern. Because oftentimes with exercise, that consistency, that showing up you know, at the same time or the same days that you normally would with the same people and being seen helps you keep in that groove even if it's a time that you need to reduce your workload, whether it's preventative in a deload, an intentional tapering way, or rehabilitative, you've suffered an injury and you still want to participate in exercise, but you have to do so in a way that accommodates what has happened. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, that was good advice, and maybe I should have listened to him at that same time and joined him in the deloading week and spared myself this injury. But alas, cannot go back in time I think about the aspects of CrossFit that are so beneficial of the prescribed work, the use of scaling, and coaching. So having that person there to give you some objective feedback, whether it's that your form is failing and you need to scale back on the movement or the load, you know, whether you're not performing as well as you normally would, and to tell you, hey, today's not your day, lay off, do something different, you know, stop the workout take some rest, build in that recovery. I was letting myself kind of get into this one-person echo chamber and do what I wanted to do because it seemed fun and didn't look at the bigger picture of what the returns were on my investment. And so at the end of this week, I'm happy to say that the aggravation of the injury doesn't seem nearly as severe as the initial and seems to be more of I'd say, a white flag maybe a yellow flag of a reminder that i am not back to full force that while i have made a lot of progress and i am in the process of healing i am not healed and that idea of being all the way to the end of that road may continue to evolve, particularly because I seek to remain active and active at a relatively high level throughout the process. And so taking the time to listen for feedback, to be proactive, to take the advice that I might offer to others and listen to my body to anticipate, to create wider margins, a concept I've talked about in different avenues and arenas in my life, And also, the power of the rest and of the taper. So as I've said, I've raced lifelong, and occasionally for major races, I've implemented tapering. But generally speaking, I often continue to train. And again, some of that is simply because of how I maintain my own mental status, well-being, through exercise. And with this week of doing less each day than would be typical for me, on the workouts in the final two days of the week, I was able to outperform things I had done in the past. And one of which is a rowing competition that I'm in, it's a friendly competition online. Three of my fellow athletes in the gym are on my team. We call ourselves the Cliffs of Insanity, building on our name of CrossFit Inconceivable and the Princess Bride theme. And the rowing workout that came up this week was more endurance-based, which is to my strength. I'm not a sprinter. I'm not really a power rower. But I can hang on to a pretty decent split for a relatively extended period of time. And I entered into this workout knowing Again, I was listening for what the injury was during the act of rowing, of what my average times might be for the distances that had been assigned, with some goals in mind and some ideas based on past performance and what I would likely be able to maintain. And it was divided into three segments. In the first one, I went out hard, which is my M.O. In running races, anywhere, I try to put money in the bank and go out strong to begin and as I came through that first interval, I was thinking, I'm gonna pay for this in the latter two, but what can I do? You know, It's been done, I'm not gonna repeat it, and let's see what happens. And there was rest built into this workout, and this was mandatory, it's assigned, you had to program it into the computer of the rowing machine, and so where normally, I even had voice to my teammates, you know, the rest, who needs the rest? I would just carry on if I had designed the workout. But I took these three minutes of rest and then engaged in the middle portion, which was the most sprint-like of all the distances. And I exceeded my A goal for what I wanted to pull. And I was surprised that I felt as good as I did, that I was able to maintain that pace. And I got off, finished the rest, and then entered into the largest portion of the workout. And with this one... The opening 1,000 meters, I was feeling pretty good. I was able to maintain the pace I wanted to, and then I thought, you know, you don't want to not be able to continue, so let's scale back a little bit, and I slowed down some. But I continued to feel good, and so as I moved through the workout, I would drop my splits as I moved through, and I really wanted to break 20 minutes for the 5K on the row. And so with about 600 meters left, I started to increase my pace, And almost made it. I finished on 20 minutes exactly down to the point zero to the tenth of a second. Which was great. But then also, of course, in my head I thought, if you had just gone a little sooner, if you hadn't slowed down that middle section, you would have beaten your 20-minute goal. Which is always how it will be for me. There'll always be the what little bit could I have done better. But as I finished this, I was kind of blown away. You know, it was the best I had rode on a piece in a long time. I sprinted well. I held on for the endurance. I reflected on the workout the day before where I was able to push a faster rate on the bike in the gym. And I thought, well, maybe there's something to this tapering. And there's something to this built-in rest, you know, when I followed it as it was prescribed. And and I laughed at myself a bit, and it's a trade-off. You know, what are you willing to let go of in the moment to gain greater in the long-term. And I thought about that in the context of how I see and work with my patients. You know, a lot of what presents to me in the office are long-term chronic complaints. People will come in talking to me about pain that they've experienced for 10, 20, 30 years that they can't remember not having in their lives. And on their return visit weeks after seeing me and engaging in treatment, sometimes seem surprised or disappointed that things haven't changed markedly. And while I would love for a single encounter to resolve everything for people, it's not realistic. And having the appropriate perspective, and we've talked about expectations a bit in previous episodes, is so important. And being able to have honest conversations and big reliance on reflection and purpose and intentionalism with our engagement is so crucial. And this whole experience for me this past week from overtraining, blowing through all of those boundaries that are in place with these workouts for Safety and for improving performance and seeing that more is not always better and that there is power in rest and scaling and tapering that can expand on the performance we had and taking that with me into these encounters with patients to say more is not always better. You know, sometimes they desire more frequent treatment or more layers of treatment, seeing multiple people all at once and sometimes less is more and adjusting perspective is more and being receptive to objective feedback and boundary setting and scaling of activities or scaling up of activities. Sometimes folks who've been in chronic pain and debilitating situations do so little that that act of deconditioning, you know, is detrimental to them. And so being willing to hear from someone else what we might not be willing, able, or have the capacity to hear from ourselves is so important. And it was really helpful for me in a painful way, literally, to move through this myself and looking at the premise of this osteopathic life and where it's been, where it has gone, and where it can potentially go. Keeping in mind that honoring the success and the reality of the situation on what is possible in this moment, setting goals, putting that trajectory in place, but finding the right reflections and objective supporters who will give an honest assessment of how things are, how things can be, what boundaries need to be set in place, and recognizing when we're capable of implementing them ourselves and when we need some help and some support. So I live in these two worlds currently, maybe two of many, but the two main worlds I'm in are my clinical world with this osteopathic life as the undercurrent and in the CrossFit world as a owner and manager and coach and as an athlete, and looking at the benefits of one and how they can translate into the other. And what's most helpful when utilized well and appropriately are those prescriptions, some clear delineations on the goal of a workout, ways to get there, modifications that can be used, scaling that should be necessary, rhythm of days to be taken off, times when it's okay to add extra training, and sequencing when it's time to take a deload week. All the while, under the guidance of coaching staff for the overarching premise of the programming and the day-to-day utilization of the techniques and activities that have been prescribed, and how to take that into the professional realm, looking for those same barriers and boundaries And when we need that reflection of, that was enough, or no, you could do more, now it's time to rest because ultimately we're trying to seek this bigger picture. So maybe it's scaling back on some of those day-to-day activities. And my current impression is that the podcast can still exist as the launch of some of those more specific one-on-one or personally and physically engaging activities with the sociopathic life might exist. If one needs to give in looking for that feedback, honestly for myself or being honest when that's not possible in seeking it externally. So I think a big piece of season two is going to be looking honestly for those reminders, for that receptiveness of being able to make changes accordingly in our lives. Looking at that reflection when it's strong enough we can simply use a mirror in counting ourselves to be honest accountability partners, or when we realize we're not going to hold that line as strongly as it needs to be held for ourselves and seeking those external supports. And maybe they come from this community, reaching out, I hope we'll start to develop more tangible relationships with one another and create discussion and reach out to colleagues and say, these are the things that are impacting my health on a global scale these are the ones I can handle all on my own. These I need some help with. And maybe taking the time to be open to hearing about other areas that you might be blinded to, areas that are impacting your capacity for the fullest expression of your health that you can't even see. And having someone hold up that mirror behind you, you know, like when you've gotten your haircut and you want to see the back of the hair, you need two mirrors or you need a person to help angle them just right so you can get the full effect and see how things actually are in the full panoramic view of your life. So I'm going to make the commitment to utilize coaching more effectively, more broadly in my life, to listen intently for reminders of my limitations, as well as my ultimate capacity and learn how to kind of pendulum swing between the two of those and recognize where limitations can help reset the trajectory so I can move more fully toward my greatest potential and remembering that there are benefits to rest and renewal and respite and tapering to enhance overall ultimate performance even in the most recent episodes, looking at reclaiming our power and setting appropriate expectations really comes back to these pieces of a willingness to reflect, to make honest assessment assessments and adjust course accordingly. And taking back our power is really expressed in doing that. You know, owning what we're capable of Listening for what's coming up and either holding us back or that which we haven't nurtured well enough to allow it to flourish as fully as it could and move us forward. And finally, making the commitment to the nurturing of connection and relationships. Through this, let's say, hiccup for me of the injury, the saving grace has been the capacity to maintain my presence in the gym community, and keep showing up. So I took my own advice that I had given to my coach when he was talking about his goal of deloading for a week, and I kept going to the gym on the days I normally would, and wildly reducing the volume or the type of activity I was doing that day, but still I was there, and I was seen, and I was with the people, and I was in communication, and... I gained their support and encouragement, and I could talk to my coaches about what was going on and ways to modify. I was gaining insight on how to help athletes myself when I'm the coach and they're suffering injury or they need that time to scale down and how to do so effectively. It helps me gain some relatability. Not an ideal circumstance, but might as well make lemonade with the lemons when they are given to us. And to understand what it's like to have to step back, even when you don't want to, even when you're forced to, and it doesn't feel good, but you can spin it in a way to at least make it meaningful and spend some time in the space. And those relationships are so key. Having those support structures built into your daily life are really critical in achieving and maintaining health in whatever capacity it is you might be seeking it at this time in your life and seeing where those might be and it might be in spaces and places with people that surprise you. We, again, might have an expectation for strength and connection in a certain area of our life and find that it truly exists in a total other place and being willing and able to adapt to that And also to be that for others. We might be surprised at the power we have to make a positive change, create a sense of support for someone that might be lacking, you know, a specific and strong support structure in their life. And so finding it for ourselves, creating it for others, are really powerful ways to nurture the health So I'll say on the close of this first episode of season two and on a lovely but relatively strange day, many interesting events occurred on this, my 39th birthday here and the second year beginning of this osteopathic life and learning to embrace some of the strangeness of life honor those experiences even when they're the last thing we might have wanted to happen, listening for what lesson they might bring us and for how we can show up in a way that helps us to gain health in a surprising way. To move through injury toward an improved performance is an unexpected and welcome shift even with the disappointment and concern that accompanied it at onset. So, I challenge you to join me and listen for those reminders. Be open to the reflectiveness of others. Be receptive to take the time to rest and to taper to optimize performance, to take the advice that you would give to others, and to seek out. Connection and relationships, both for yourself and how to be that person, that connector, that supporter for others who might be in need. That's a wrap of episode one of season two of This Osteopathic Life. If you can take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, to like, rate, review, visit the website, share with your friends. And begin to follow if you utilize Instagram, This Osteopathic Life there, as one movement forward in this season is to become more active in that medium, to expand the outreach, to truly serve the best health of all things. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.